0: Welcome to PodCraft, honing the art of podcasting, the bite-sized show that covers one topic in depth each series, your complete podcasting guide. PodCraft brings the pieces together so you don't have to, and now your host, Colin Gray. Hey, hey, hey folks, and welcome to another episode of PodCraft. I've got a bit of a funny one for you this week. This is outside of the normal run of the series, so if you're listening to this uh, up-to-date live, then uh, the currencies will continue on the next episode. This is a bit of an in between episode, But I wanted to publish this one because I've been thinking recently about publishing a bit more... Um, Not personal, exactly, but a bit more of a a history. So a bit more information about myself, because a lot of people are asking at the moment uh, through the email newsletter, through a few other forums, uh, a little bit about how I got into podcasting and just sort of a little bit about my experience, my background, that type of stuff. So... I was recently interviewed by Harry Duran from Podcast Junkies, so you can find that at podcastjunkies.com. He interviewed me just around my general introduction to podcasting and what I'm doing these days with the podcast host. So I thought it would actually be good to put on PodCraft on the show here to basically act as a a little bit of an introduction to myself. It sounds a bit weird talking about this myself and a bit narcissistic, but people are asking. So I thought it'd be nice to have somewhere to direct them. So if you have been directed here by me uh, to get my background, to get my introduction to podcasting, everything that's going on right now, then welcome. And uh, thank you very much for being interested. (laughs) So I won't hold you back much more. This episode really is just all about my history, my background, and how I found this podcasting game. The Podcast Host, honing your skills. Get your free equipment buyer's guide at thepodcasthost.com forward slash kit. Get the right equipment, first time.
1: So Colin Gray, thank you for joining, joining us on Podcast Junkies.
0: Lovely to be here, Harry.
1: So we were referred by uh, a friend, Liston Witherell. Indeed, yeah. Yeah, I was doing some, a bit of research on, on how the intro happened. And sometimes, um, as is the case with uh, guests that are sent your way, um, you have to keep track. And, and thankfully, Gmail has a fantastic search feature.
0: <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> Figured out where on earth it came from. <laughs> now, where are you from? Uh, I'm from Scotland so uh, originally Dumfries in Scotland uh, so that's southwest of Scotland down the bottom corner uh, these days I'm in Dundee
1: in Dundee yes. and uh, how um and that's where you were born and raised
0: no, well, I was I was uh, moved around a lot. Iceland, my dad's a greenkeeper, so he um, tends golf courses. Uh, okay. and that, that job seemed to come with it quite a lot of moving around. So uh, it was, uh, yeah, it was a fair bit of moving. Uh, I have lived in Prestwick, uh, other coast of uh, Scotland, lived in Ireland for a while, France for a little while. Uh, so born and raised in a few different places.
1: Do you have fond memories of any of those particular locations?
0: Uh, yeah all of them i think uh was probably the, the sort of the most long-term one when i was a kid so that was uh, yeah that's where i made most of my school friends um but living in ireland was pretty good as well i enjoyed that that was uh, where we got to live on a golf course for four years and get to know some goats very well <laughs> there was some neighboring goats that <laughs> wandered into our garden so that was uh, <clears throat> always interesting
1: <laughs> i'm trying to think of the the guests that we had i've um up to about 40 episodes in. So I I did get to interview. I, I don't know if you've heard of James Schramko. Yes, of course. Yes, yeah, he's um, fairly well known in the uh, online marketing circles, and yes. he's in he's in Australia, as you know. So, trying to find time with him was a bit challenging because yeah. I think I, I, on my end, it ended up being a one thirty in the morning really? call <laughs> as the, as the only slot. And when and when he's like the premier, I mean, when he's the guest, and he's someone that you've been trying to get for a while, you tend to accommodate um, yes. whatever whatever time is more convenient for him. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I know we're, we're only uh, seven hours apart, I think, currently, so it's not, uh, yeah, not yeah, terrible. Yeah.
1: It's not too bad. Yeah. Although we, do, although for, for the listener's benefit, we've tried to have this call now about three or four times. Yeah, indeed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it does uh, cause some trouble, but it's always the same, isn't it, when we're uh, internationally podcasting.
1: Yeah. So you've been podcasting since about 2007, 2008, is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yep. So, talk a little bit about your story i know, I know that you started out doing some web design um, and then you got into podcasting but uh, for the benefit of the listener talk talk a little bit about your 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 tech background
0: yeah, sure. I started out, yeah, back in about 2004 was my first sort of proper uh, getting into work and um, that was web design at the time. i just finished a master's with uh, a university in Edinburgh and I just started working away as a web designer then. I soon discovered, of course, that uh, going straight into freelance work is pretty tricky (laughs) because you've got no contacts and not a lot of of credentials behind you. So uh, I ended up working about half and half, half freelance doing web design stuff where I could find it and half teaching at a college uh, so I was teaching web design and media development, that type of stuff, doing a bit of flash animation, that kind of thing um, but that kind of led me through a few different things into a bit a bit deeper into education and I ended up working at a university in Edinburgh for a while where uh, that eventually took me to podcasting because the university decided that they wanted to get into podcasting themselves and use podcasting as an educational tool, so they tasked me with finding out how to podcast, uh, finding out how to use it to teach students uh, and then to actually teach all the lecturers so it's part of my job at that university to teach everyone how to podcast and uh, run courses (laughs) on it essentially for uh, and i did that for about uh, four or five years with that university so that's interesting.
1: Um, what year was this when you when they asked you to get into that, into
0: podcasting? Yeah, that was that 2007. So I'd first discovered podcasts in around two years before that, I think about 2005. I had to, I had to look this up recently, actually, so I actually know. Uh, I, it was about September 2005, I found my first ever podcast. Uh, so I'd listened to them for probably about a year and a half before the university decided they were going to use them. What was the podcast, do you remember? First ever, yeah, it was Boag World by uh, Paul Boag and Marcus Lillington.
1: Okay, so for
0: the benefit of the uh, us
1: Americans, you're going to have to <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was, <laughs> explain uh, that topic. It's a, it's a web design podcast. Uh, it okay. just so happens that it's called Boag World because it's uh, Paul Boag. It's just his second name. Uh, yeah. But it's, uh, it was a really good podcast actually. It was it was one of those examples of a podcast that is uh, successful more because of the banter between the guests, uh, sorry, between the hosts than anything else than the topic. I mean, they, they knew what they were talking about. The topics were great, but it was uh, Paul and Marcus were just uh, they were good pals and they just had a, a lot of chat and it was just good fun to listen to so at the end of the
1: day it, it almost becomes uh so a, a bit like howard stern here in the states where you you, you end up coming for the personality
0: yes exactly yeah <laughs> yeah you got to know the guys and uh, take part in their banter and everything so it was good fun
1: i think now we take for granted how how relatively easy it is for folks that are interested in podcasting and familiar with technology and web design and social media to get up and running. But I imagine at that time, it must have been somewhat of a challenge for you to figure out what was the first thing to do and, and where to start and even simple things like a microphone that we take for granted. Um, all that was brand new for you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, 2007 I can't do you know what I can't remember how I learned I mean I think it was just looking around on the web uh, finding random articles but you're right there wasn't half as much around then I had the advantage that it was funded by the university so I uh. I managed to get um, some decent kit right off the bat uh, although we did go quite over the top we we ended up getting uh, 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 what was it called again? Oh, yeah, the Marantz. So, you know, the old Morants, massive big recorders. Never remember the code of them, but they're the ones used by like the BBC and stuff like that. So, there's <laughs> these huge big things that are literally the size of a shoebox that uh, professional audio recorders would uh, hang from a strap on their back and then tend wow. to have uh, like the big, you know, shotgun mics on a boom arm and the, the big sort of furry cat windshields. It's, yeah. it's the kind of thing used by them. So, we had one of those as a digital recorder connected into uh, about Two hundred pound condenser mic that we bought a stand for <laughs> as well, so it was absolutely ridiculous the kit we started off with. But you know, you public money's funding it, you might as well get the good stuff. <laughs> so, yeah, it uh, sounds. It
1: sounds. Um, it sounds like no expense was spared, which which means that you hit the ground running in terms
0: of sound quality. Oh yeah, I mean the sound quality was great. Uh, so that was yeah, it was a good. Th- that was a good thing at the start. But my probably my production skills and my presentation skills didn't quite live up to the sound quality. So. <laughs> What were you editing in back then? By then it was audacity. That was the first oh, thing I've was Audacity. I've okay. Yeah, totally. Okay. Uh, I th- well, do you know what? I say that. Uh, I, I mean, if somebody tells me that Audacity didn't start before until after 2007, then I'll have to... I, I couldn't think what were we were using. <laughs> yeah, but, someone, someone uh, but, might hold you to that. Yeah, exactly. But I'm, I'm sure it was Audacity. That's certainly what I remember starting out with uh, and uh, just editing that the whole time. Yeah, I still use Audacity to this day. It uh, mixed them with a little bit of uh, Adobe
1: Audition. I think you just had the benefit of getting started so early and there was, there was not a lot of folks listening... I imagine, at the time, and not the sort of feedback that you can get now, because everyone and their mother has a podcast.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I mean, w- the thing with it then was actually we, were, we weren't really broadcasting any wider than the university. So that was okay. my first my first few years of podcasting were actually just internal, really. It wasn't yeah. a public thing. Um, well, I say that, but we were, I mean, it was available publicly. Uh, students would download it, and anyone could download it. It was just that it wasn't of much interest to anyone outside the university. So it was was a bit of a funny situation i suppose um, until i got into more uh, wide podcasting but yeah it was uh, yeah certainly we got a lot of feedback developed a lot of skills around then um, working with a lot of different lecturers uh helping a lot of them to develop their own presentation skills editing skills so that kind of i mean that pushed me forward really quickly um, having to teach other people how to do it were you the only host at the time or were there various hosts for the show we had uh, no we had a few different people working on it actually I would tend to do interviews so I would go around the university and take interviews with lecturers on what was working well for them with teaching what kind of stuff they were doing with their students uh, and we even do you know what there was um, it was Edinburgh Napier University and they actually have a good media department so they have a, a little radio studio so there's a few times I got into the radio studio and actually did uh, proper interviews in there so that was always interesting uh, talked to a few ex-radio professionals so that was cool learning from them on sort of presentation and structure and stuff like that yeah and so. i imagine
1: you were in an environment that was that had really good sound quality
0: yes absolutely yeah that well that radio studio was actually a properly professionally produced um, you know soundproofed uh, full-on mixing desk and uh, massive nah. mics and stuff like that so that was a, that was a, as good as you'd get in the bbc type of thing so yeah that
1: was really good i think for podcasters whenever we have the opportunity to to uh, end up or record in one of those environments, so we we feel like we're a kid in a candy store because I recently had that experience with some friends who have a, a, a local production studio in Los Angeles, really? and they they have a proper podcasting uh, interviews set up, and, and and they've got and they've got um, the studio quality shore mics, and. I was listening to the quality of the interviews and and the folks uh, I was interviewing on the other side, and everything just sounded so pristine and crystal yeah. clear. It was it was fun.
0: Yeah, do you know sometimes you think that you know we've we've done stuff with our rooms, like hung up curtains or you know turn off the computer, all that <laughs> kind of stuff. You get in the wardrobe and hide in the coats, that type of thing, and you think you're getting good quality, but actually, yeah, you compare it to a proper studio, and it's just ridiculous. Um, yeah, it's great. Oh, it's funny cause for the benefit of
1: uh, us Yankees, we, I may have to have um, a, a glossary of uh, translations. So, <laughs> so, so, so kit is technology and uh, wardrobe is closet. So oh, yes, indeed. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but it is funny because I do have a, a friend of um, a friend of mine uh, that I've met through the podcasting circles. His name is Chris Lerone. And he started out, I think his first 30 or 40 episodes were in the in the closet or in the wardrobe, as you say. Mm, yeah. And I think he was the only place that he could find that that uh, he wasn't getting the feedback, the echo in the room. Um, he, and the quality of the sound was was the best that he could get in that environment.
0: Yeah, I think people people always think I'm joking when I say that, but it's actually a serious suggestion. Uh, and yeah, I have exactly. people that I work with that do it. They actually just get their, their little digital recorder, their microphone, get a chair into the closet and just record in there, and it works brilliantly. It's like so sound damped. The best you can do apart from a proper studio. Well, or yeah. spending money on like wall paneling and stuff like that. But yeah, it's good. It's effective.
1: I think the only uh, challenging thing would be that you go in there and, and you end up in Narnia.
0: Yes, indeed, it might disappear <laughs> and then suddenly a lion steals your microphone. And, yeah, oh, well,
1: at least you have something the pod. You did have something that podcasted about then, right?
0: Well, that's true. If I, if I ever got a live lion running on my podcast, I'd be doing well. So, um,
1: so what happened after that then? Because then um, you did that for a period of time and then moved on to something uh, bigger and better.
0: Yes, indeed. Uh, so next, I suppose, let me think about my chronology. I started actually. I started a podcast host, so the podcast hostcom is the company I run just now. And I started that while I was at Napier because we had been using uh, a certain podcast host, which I won't name because I'm about to tell you they were rubbish. <laughs> um, <laughs> we, we were using a certain po- po- uh, hosting platform which was just so unreliable it was ridiculous. They still they're still around today. That's, that was just very about well. to ask. They're yeah. still around. No, they're still around. They do very well. Um, I, I'm not going to slag them off, but yeah. Anyway. Got They they do, um, yeah. They just went down for like literally days at a time, uh, and you wouldn't be able to get the support service whatsoever. The uh, the platform was based on WordPress, but it was literally a three or four year old uh, version Mm -hmm. of WordPress, really really heavily customized. It was just awful. (laughs) Uh, And because of my web design background, I thought, you know what, I can set up a WordPress multi site. I can run some hosting like this myself. So that was that was essentially the first incarnation of the podcast host. It was really. A platform set up by me to host our podcasts at Napier, and the podcast that I was then thinking about starting myself outside of the uh, of the university, uh, and it kind of grew from there. And I actually started offering it more publicly, and that's what that's what grew into the business. That I mean, we do a lot of different stuff today, don't actually concentrate on hosting as such anymore. Um, but uh, yeah, that's kind of what, how it grew, uh, and then ended up setting up some podcasts ourselves. Then at that point, I guess well, what's interesting is that you
1: actually started. The site, the podcast host, with the intention of hosting podcasts.
0: Yes, indeed. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, are you, are you? Is that still part of the business? Or are you host, actually hosting
0: podcasts? Kind of, yeah. Uh, nowadays, I can, I moved out of hosting as such because it's such a low cost uh, service. It's so commoditized that it was just really hard to make any money out of to be scalable. And you know what? Uh, the likes of Libsyn and Blueberry do it so well, uh, yeah. and they've got the scalability in there. So I just decided it was it was pointless trying to compete with that. And do you, do you know? what? I'm not really that interested in running a hosting service because it's it's. Uh, I mean, all power. To Be able to do it, but I just don't, it doesn't set my heart racing, you know. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's a
1: type type of service that, uh, from a customer service perspective, it must be just a pain. To, yes. to keep track of uh, all your customers and keep them happy and every little thing yeah. that happens, yeah. they're always banging down your doors, help me with this, help me with that. My podcast is not up, and it just becomes yeah. more trouble than it's worth.
0: Absolutely. That's exactly what it was like. It was just, I mean, people are only paying 5 or $10 a month for it. And then, mm. so one email or one phone call basically wipes out two or three months worth of profit <laughs> if you count it against yeah. your time. And it's just, it was ridiculous. So yeah, jumped out at that. Um, these days, I still do a bit of hosting, uh, but it's only for clients, mentoring clients, or production okay. clients. So, part of what I do is helping people to uh, create podcasts, to launch them, and then to actually produce them ongoing. So, people send me the audio files, and uh, my business uh, does the editing and producing and publishing for them. So, if people are doing that with us, then I host their podcasts that way. Uh, so, the only people we host these days are ones that I'm working with on a kind of a wider um, scheme, whether it's mentoring or production.
1: Yeah, so we're um, I'm hosting with uh, Libsyn, mm-hmm. and I've been pretty happy with them, in case, yeah. in case, in case they're listening and, and feel like they need to <laughs> uh, sponsor an episode Indeed. or two. Yeah, sure. <laughs> it's always good to uh, give them a nice uh, call out on the show. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, and then the other thing is I test other platforms. So I syndicate out through uh, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Spreaker, and yeah. Stitcher.
0: yeah. Yeah, we. I'm with uh, Blueberry uh, mainly, so they're kind of my core media hosting. And then, uh, yeah, I put stuff on SoundCloud as well. Um, and I feel, yeah, it's just with anywhere that we can find it, really. <laughs> I haven't yeah. got as far as trying to repurpose to YouTube yet and putting video to it, but uh, I'm interested to try that, actually, to see if it works.
1: Alphonic is a good tool for get syndicating content because it takes in, the, um, if you put in a, a nice artwork. And it, I think it's 700 by 394. Mm-hmm. I actually have it memorized by now, but <laughs> 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 if, you, if you put that artwork into Auphonic and then you uh, connect your YouTube account, It'll send out a static image, it won't be obviously a video, but it'll be a static image that fills up, fills up the entire window, Okay. and then your audio is just playable, so people have at least your artwork to look at while they're listening okay. to the episode.
0: Yeah, see I've always considered that you would have to make some slides or something, or at least put some <laughs> changing images, but yeah, I suppose yeah. if you can at least, if you can if you can just put up an image, because a lot of my, my podcraft shows, actually that's the podcast I do on podcasting. Um, through the podcast host. A lot of the shows that I do for that are really short. My kind of principles are keeping it as short as possible just so that people can fit them in. Um, so actually, just like a 12 to 15 minute episode with just artwork in the background might be all right. I can maybe get away with that. Yeah, yeah I think that would away. work
1: too. Mm-hmm. And okay. the other thing is, is that depending on how detailed you make the description, uh, I would imagine since it's a Google-owned entity that there's some SEO benefits to having that content on there as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'd say so. I, yeah, I mean, even if you get found, well, it's another place to get found, isn't it? It's, yeah. Yes, that's, that's true. A good thing. I think. I think it's
1: what helps is when you have the mentality of being as visible as possible, as you mentioned. Because a lot of people say, "Well, I need to drive everyone back to my iTunes uh, or to my lips or to my lips feed, whatever your RSS feed is, so that you're counting your downloads." And I think people get so obsessed with counting the downloads or from from Apple. Um, that they lose sight of the fact that they should increase their reach as wide as possible, yeah, and yeah. and then and then just work to have a, a consistent call to action in the show, so that they can so people no matter where they're listening, there's always the opportunity that a listener will turn into um, a customer if that's your desired outcome in the long run. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: I mean, if your, your aim is to get people back to your website, then put the show everywhere you can and just say on the show, oh, so my website's here, my website's here, my yeah, website's yeah. here. <laughs> Have your lead magnet or whatever in there to persuade people to actually take it as well. And then so that uh, you mentioned
1: Podcraft. So t- yep. talk about the, the origins of that show.
0: Great, okay. Uh, yeah, so with the podcast host, as I kind of transitioned out of the hosting side of things, I was looking at what else to use the site for. And one of the most popular aspects of the site was always the articles on how to podcast. I had just started to log things for myself, really, because uh, I'm, I'm a bit of a geek, really. So I, I love the kit, I love the equipment, uh, experiment with microphones and mixers and all that kind of thing. Uh, and because of the university attachment as well, I got to try quite a lot of different stuff just because of the funds they had for it. So I was writing articles on, the microphones and all that kind of stuff. So that stuff just kind of naturally started getting some traffic in and some questions and I just suddenly started to think, Well, what's the point in writing about that? Well, not what's the point in writing about this, but I should be <laughs> podcasting about it too. Yeah. So um, the first series of PodCraft actually was a course that I had developed for the lecturers at university. It was a 10-episode series designed to take you from complete beginner guide to um, launching your first episode. So it was all 10-minute episodes. The first one was, what is a podcast? Next one was, what what benefit is this to me? Then you go on to stuff like recording environment, so how you set up your room, like we were talking about earlier. Then how do you set up your microphone? How do you script? That type of stuff. So it was 10, 10 episodes all about 10 minutes long which took you right through to actually launching your first episode um and i took it really from there it's kind of that's i suppose that's my my education teaching background that uh, i i really make my I really make PodCraft a course-based show, so it's always based around seasons. Season two was around equipment, so that was a full guide to podcast equipment. First episode was microphones, then you go into mixers, blah blah blah. So, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of the approach I've taken, and it seems to people quite like it. I just I quite like the fact that. It's quite segmented. It's quite categorized. So, when you when people find the show, they don't have to search back through all the episodes to find stuff about, say, um, setting up a podcasting website. They just have to go to series three and they just follow through that whole, whole series and uh, they get all the information on it. As opposed to you know a, a sort of standard approach to podcasting, which is just to change topic every week and and uh, just talk about whatever you like at the time. There was nothing wrong with that, obviously, but I just quite like the kind of more focused uh, season based category. Based approach. Yeah, I, I like that, that aspect of it, because uh, I've seen some folks
1: tend to do that, and actually you're in good company because startup. <laughs> I don't yeah, know of course, yeah. yeah. I was before
0: so. them, I was before them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you could always say, yeah, that, that, that concept of the seasons. Um, it, it, and it's interesting, because you had... Uh, Not only the background, but you had the content because you come from an education background. So the the concept of putting things in lessons and putting things organized uh, into more consumable bite-sized pieces is something that just came to you
0: naturally. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it was just... It was just the first way I thought to do it. I didn't think to do it any other way just because I'm used to creating courses. I'm used to creating educational resources and a podcast to me or my idea behind the podcast was teaching folks. So just that's just what popped into my head. Yeah,
1: because you saw the podcast as just another uh, medium in which to broadcast your lessons. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And so you, you finished up season four now?
0: Yeah, I just finished season four, which was around planning and presenting. Uh, So that was something that I thought was probably, was possibly one of the less covered aspects of podcasts. And I think a lot of people talk about equipment, a lot of people talk about, um, Monetization. They talk about getting started, but not many people actually think about how to present and presentation skills and how to plan an episode and stuff like that. So it was something I wanted to cover, and I got a few good guests on for that one. Uh, So just, um,
1: uh, just sorry, uh, quickly for the benefit of the listener, just uh, if you could just go through each of the seasons and and what the main topic was that you covered.
0: Yeah, sure. Uh, so, season one was the beginner's guide, So That was launching your first episode. Season two was equipment. So that was literally going through everything from an episode on mics to an episode on mixers, an episode on uh, what else, digital recorders, and then all the all the little bits like cables and uh, and boom mics and boom stands and all that kind of stuff. Uh, season three was starting your podcasting website. So that was a twenty episode guide to getting set up from complete scratch. In WordPress to having a really well set up, well optimized, well, um, so sort a of tooled out podcasting website that's really good at capturing audience, turning them into listeners, you know, losing call to action and subscribe buttons and all that kind of stuff. So that was really, um, start to finish of setting up a website by yourself. And the fourth one was the planning and presenting one. So that was just interviewing a few different podcasters about their tips on how to, how to create great content and how to get it out there to people in the best possible way there was stuff in there and things like storytelling and uh, in fact I had one from Liston that you mentioned earlier uh, our mutual friend on copywriting so he was talking about how to plan out podcast uh, episode names and plan out the show notes and things like that so you can actually capture people more uh, effectively
1: I have to make sure to get caught up on those (laughs) great so what do you have in uh, in store or from a planning perspective what are you thinking about for season 5
0: well I've got a couple of ideas I think season five is going to be monetization. So monetization is obviously a big topic on everybody's big list topic. Yeah, <laughs> uh, It's always something that comes up, isn't it? So uh, what I'd love to do is to get a series of episodes around each type of monetization uh, type, obviously. So I'm going to cover stuff like uh, Patreon sponsorship uh, and, and various other ways, uh, selling a product or service, that type of stuff. But Leading on from that, I want to get lots of case studies with people that have monetized. So I want to try and get people on that um, are in really kind of niche industries or really strange industries or, you know, people that have made money out of a podcast that you maybe wouldn't necessarily have thought of. Um, so, for example, there's a there's a lady that I'm contacting at the moment that runs a pet sitting agency. So she just runs a company, a company <laughs> that, uh, that uh, basically hires out pet sitters so people all go and feed your cat while you're on holiday for a week and she's uh, uh so i want to talk to her once she's launched it about how she's going to make money out of this like how it's going to sell their services so that type of stuff t- the type of thing that you wouldn't think you could make a podcast about uh, so, so yeah, yeah that's, she, her, that's she has a podcast so just to be clear she has a podcast about pet sitting well, I think it'll be more about pets, really, because okay. the, the target audience is people who have pets that will need them looked after at some point. So, if she can attract in listeners that are just interested in pet news and you know looking after a dog or a cat or whatever, then uh, that will naturally lead them towards her pet sitting services. <laughs> Is this,
1: is this, now, now
0: my interest has peaked. Is the podcast <laughs> live yet? No, it isn't. No, so oh, okay. I've, I've been talking to her about it uh, and I'm interested in sort of following her through the launch process and seeing how all it works out. So I think that could be a really interesting case study. Um, but yeah, that's my, that's my kind of intention is to find people doing things like that. Like you say, you're, you're sounded a bit incredulous. <laughs> want, no, it's I want, funny. Uh, I want to find people who have that kind of podcast and talk about how they're monetizing it.
1: Yeah, it's always interesting because I'm I'm a huge fan of trying to niche down as much as possible, and, and I always give the 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 same example. But when I when I was at Podcast Movement last year, mm-hmm. which is the uh, the Podcasters Conference here in the states, um, there was a someone who told me about a podcast that was about coroners. Uh,
0: sorry about what a coroner.
1: Coroners,
0: so, uh, oh, coroners like uh, <laughs> dead people. Dead people, exactly. <laughs> I actually thought you said coroners like as in the corner of a square. It's like that would be, I, yeah, that could be something too. It's a bit of an esoteric uh, subject. I'm not sure. Yeah.
1: Pl- the Plaza Podcast.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> but, the, but the coroners one was, its called Coroners Corner, which is, which is a mouthful. Very
0: good. That listener would like that uh, title. That's a good copyright title.
1: Yeah, that's true. So I, I may have some some people to send your way. I have, I have actually an interview coming up with uh, Jen, Jennifer Briney, mm-hmm. and she has a podcast called The Congressional Dish.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: And she's taken it upon herself to imagine this, actually read the content of the bills that are that are presented by the House and the Congress here in the States. Okay, right. And, and then the things that she finds is uh, lots of examples where our, our – uh, our representatives, our fearless leaders, if you will, uh, mm-hmm. have have taken it upon themselves to sneak a lot of pork into a lot of these bills. And right. she's, so, so she, she's sort of a crusader in that respect. And I think what she's doing is a service that's uh, so interesting and, and, and valuable for the folks that do listen that she's been able to have a, a, a bit of success with uh, donations.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Right, So yeah, that's, I mean, that's, yeah, that's exactly the type of thing I'm talking about. That's a subject you wouldn't think you could even make a podcast about, never mind any <laughs> yeah. money out of it. So yeah, excellent. Yes. Pass our contact details. That'd be good. <laughs>
1: yeah. So, um, how's the timing on that look for season five then?
0: I have the first interview in the bag already, so I'm hoping to put that out in about two weeks time. So we'll, so we'll launch a bit then.
1: Yeah, monetization is just a really a slippery slope, and it's the holy grail, right, for podcasters because everyone that gets in there is like, okay, n- maybe number one is like, how do I start, and what mic do I get, and then I think probably number two is how do I how am I going to make money on this?
0: Yeah, yeah. I think the thing is a lot. Most people don't make money out of the podcast itself, do they? Most people make money out of the the audience that they grow through the podcast that then leads to their services or a product or something similar, but there's even just the basics I think that need covered like if you are going to go out and look for sponsorship, what kind of price will you start with, like what kind of CPM's uh, good mm-hmm. or, or acceptable or how many numbers do you need before you can start thinking about sponsorship, that type of stuff so that's the kind of stuff I like to cover it's the, the total basics um, and then move up to the more advanced stuff after that so hopefully I'll give an idea um, give people an idea of how to get started in it I think
1: what will be interesting is the fact that you're using a wide variety of examples so that people don't assume that the most basic one and the most easiest one to chase uh, in terms of the sponsor on your show or the advertiser, that's probably just one of a, a lot of different opportunities you have for yeah. trying to make money on the show.
0: For sure. And I think it's probably one of the hardest as well. I mean, I think sponsorship really is, it's, it's for people who have reasonably large audiences and even then it's still quite tricky to find. Whereas if you just build your own product or you have a service or something like that, it's a lot more straightforward.
1: And I think it helps if you come into podcasting with a skill set, and then you want to use the podcast as your platform for communicating the knowledge that you already have in another field. Yes, absolutely.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a big difference, isn't there? Because there's a lot of people that the the kind of split is that you have people that podcast on hobbies. So people that podcast about a TV show or podcast about mountain biking. Uh, And then you have people that get into podcasting to teach because it's a subject that they teach anyway. So a photographer, for example, um, Julie Christie, who does an excellent podcast called the Tea Break Talk, she, um, she teaches podcasts. Sorry, she teaches photography in real life, and now she's teaching on a podcast. So actually, that that's going to monetize by sending people to her courses. Uh, so yeah, you come in with a skill set like you say, and it's much more <laughs> much more obvious where you're going to make your monetization. Yeah, make sure you send me the links for her show and
1: uh, any of the other ones that are online. Uh, yeah, I'd, love to, I'd love to include them in the show notes.
0: Yeah, happy to. More than happy to.
1: So that was a nice segue into your other podcast because I know you have
0: one on mountain biking (laughs) and one on on gaming as well, right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, I think the, the first one I started actually before PodCraft uh, we got just me and my, a few of my friends do a lot of uh, gaming so a bit of a geek at heart like I said uh, we do a bit of uh, board gaming card gaming that type of stuff so we just got together started to record a, a weekly podcast on gaming which we called uh, Dicing with Design uh, which I think I think Liston would like as well Okay, <laughs> but uh, it's uh, Yeah, so we've, we ran that for a while. It's a lot less regular these days. We, we've all got kids and stuff now, so it's uh, we, we don't get to game as much, never mind actually meet up to chat. But uh, the, the mountain biking one too, I, I ran for a while just because that was a, a hobby of mine too. Uh, and that was probably the most successful podcast I've had uh, in terms of numbers and stuff like that and engagement too. It was just a gap that people weren't really covering so uh, yeah i enjoy doing them again i don't really keep up with either the the mountain biking one or the the um gaming one as much as i should but uh, i'm planning to start getting the the mountain biking one out a bit more regularly again soon
1: yeah it's interesting that when when you become a podcaster everything becomes an opportunity everything becomes a topic that you feel like you can podcast on
0: yeah, definitely, and you have to hold yourself back, don't you? Because you, you do. know that I struggle with the ones I've I've got live already. Never mind new ones.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, even if we had just the one, there's so many different things that we could do to improve the quality of the show, the the content, the guests, uh, you know, the website, the show notes, the the marketing. There's it's just endless right it's, a, it's almost like when you buy a house and you have <laughs> and you realize that this is going to be a project for you for as long as you own it and there's always always be stuff to
0: tinker with yeah absolutely <laughs> there's always new techniques coming out to promote it and stuff like that isn't there that you can work on <laughs> and new technologies right <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah like we're using uh, PodClear give a shout out exactly. to PodClear using that yeah. to record this episode so that's a new thing to try out but uh, yeah you can't get, can't get caught by every shiny object in the world <laughs> Well, what's
1: what's happening is it's a bit of a gold rush in the podcasting space and everyone and their mother is coming up with some variation of a tool that they think is going to be the next best thing for podcasters. And so I think we all come at it with, especially our, the podcasting community comes at it with a sense of apprehension because the last thing we want to do is tie our show to, uh, to a service that's not going to be around in three months. Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
0: definitely. I mean, I think... Yeah. Do you think in, in sort of a sense that the, the success of serial and startup and stuff like that, is a, it's been a bit of a double edged sword in that sense. We've got all these things that are now taking up our time and everything. But on the, on the other hand, obviously, it's great that new money's coming into the industry and podcasting is getting more mainstream and a bit of more sponsorship money, that type of stuff. So yeah, it comes with warnings, though, I guess. And I think it's it's helpful for
1: those of us that are in the podcasting space that also have a service that can help people get on board. You mentioned that you're doing that yourself um, with your website and with your service in getting folks introduced into the world of podcasting and getting them set up and helping them um, flatten the learning curve, as my uh, friend Dave Jackson from the School of Podcasting likes to say. Yes. <laughs> so uh, I wanted to ask you about... What American influence you've had in terms of podcasting and how much of them um, were a part in, in your in your learning about what what shows were out there and how shows were being produced
0: do you mean in terms of podcasting in particular
1: no in terms of show, in terms of shows where there i know in the beginning you tend to listen to uh, local folks or, or folks that are in, in your community mm-hmm. or are or, or podcasting about topics that relate um, more to what you have an interest in. But I was, I was wondering what, um, what shows that you listened to at that time that were more American based and what shows you listen to now as well?
0: Yeah, sure. Um, uh, well, I I was thinking about, like I said, I was thinking about my start out in podcasting recently and Boag World was certainly the first one I ever listened to, but I'm reasonably sure that the second podcast I ever subscribed to was Internet Business Mastery by by, uh, Jeremy and Jay isn't it Yes. Uh, yes. In fact, that was really, they, they. They had um, their stage names originally, didn't they? But uh, but they changed it to the proper names. Yeah. <laughs> more recently, but yeah, that was a really good podcast on uh, uh, basically starting up an internet business. And they took a very. I, I probably learned a fair bit from them actually in terms of the approach they took. They keep things very simple and very straightforward, and have good calls to action in their shows. And um, yeah, I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed that show in the early days, and that's certainly American, isn't it? Moving on from there, in terms of podcasting shows, I mean, I listen, I've listened to all of the standard uh, how to podcast shows. Like uh, Cliff was Cliff Ravenscraft was probably one of yep. the first ones I listened to. Um, and it uh, moved on to all the rest i really like ray's show i, I really enjoy the podcaster studio with ray ortega yeah um, ray has been our, on
1: the show on, on on my show as well as ray yeah ray i noticed that
0: in your list actually yeah yeah exactly that, i think that's why because he just seems like a really nice guy and he seems to have a very similar um approach to podcasting and interest in podcasting to me as in he's a bit of a geek too he likes the equipment but actually <laughs> yeah, he does. yeah but, he, but he still thinks that it's good to just keep things simple a lot of the time too so yeah i like i like ray's show um These days, I actually, most of the shows that I listen to are business related in general, rather than podcasting. Mm -hmm. So I listen to a lot of shows like, uh, like, I know everybody, I know everybody's talking about just now, but the Tim Ferriss show, for example, mainly for the fantastic show. Yeah, exactly. Just the guests that he can actually get through his fame, I guess, is just, I mean, he's got an advantage there over the rest of us, the people he can get on, like Arnold Schwarzenegger, for example. Yeah, a, a, little, a little bit of an advantage there. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think he's going to be coming on PodCraft anytime soon. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> aim so aim really high, good. aim high, Colin, aim high. Well, exactly, that's true. Yeah, I shouldn't be so negative. <laughs> but the, I don't know, the lessons that he teaches through how to be successful are really good. So I like These days I really like more inspirational shows like that um, and things I can really learn from in a kind of grander sense than just the the minutiae of podcasting and equipment and stuff like that. Um, Like Startup, we've mentioned Startup a few times and the, Mm -hmm. the story of that just... That getting a picture of how a company starts how equity is uh, negotiated how partnerships are formed how you know the problems of growing of expanding that type of stuff that's the kind of thing i'm interested in just now because i suppose that's maybe more where my business is at now that we're i'm past the kind of initial stages more looking at growth and expansion and product development things like that so so i guess that's where i'm up to now
1: Yeah, it's interesting because we our interests like you said tend to mature and um, now it's almost like we're listening to podcasts um, as a way of figuring out how people handle different guests or what their interview skills are like or even just listen to the quality of the production of their podcast as a way of something to shoot for
0: yeah, absolutely. You're, really, you're right there. That's a good point. It just uh, I, the fact that we're both producers, it's good to listen to something like Startup to actually learn how they're layering the music and the, the feeling and how they're building the story and stuff like that. That's really interesting. Yeah, um, sometimes they're so polished that
1: you're, <laughs> yeah, you're uh-huh. just wondering okay, I, I've really got a ways to go here. Yeah,
0: well, do you know what I did? I did an experiment because I was contracted by a, a university to to do some educational podcasts for them recently, uh, and they had a reasonably big budget. So I thought, do you know what? I'm going to pitch properly polished, produced episodes, just six of them, yeah, uh, and and put a lot of time into it and actually produce something that I think is of kind of a standard of startup. Uh, and I don't, I, I'm not claiming to have reached their standard <laughs> by any means, but. Uh, I discovered that I can produce something maybe 20 minutes long that is equivalent, maybe not as good in terms of the storytelling and things like that. That's the bit I can probably need to work on. But in terms of just sheer production, quality of production, I think it got to the same standard as a, a startup episode. And it took me, for the last episode, it took me about eight hours for a 20-minute episode. That's, um,
1: that's what I was just about to say. The, the production time becomes exponential, yeah. exponentially longer when you try to do an episode of that
0: caliber absolutely yeah it's ridiculous and you know what that's with one interview as well so that was me trying to oh. tell a story with just myself and one interview so chopping up an interview into little sections and stuff like that so i mean that's what i mean by it certainly wasn't the storytelling equivalent of a startup or a serial and the way they pull in like seven or eight different narratives during one episode <laughs> but uh yeah even just editing up one episode into a startup type format as in it's you know telling a story and like, cutting in little bits and putting music over the top and all that kind of stuff that still took blooming
1: ages. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I did something similar with uh, Dave Jackson from the School of Podcasting because he, I was inspired because he tends to do a lot of that himself, so I said well, for his episode, I'm going to go the extra mile, and I pulled in like uh, I think a Jerry Seinfeld quote, I found found the video that he was talking about I put that in there, Uh, there was some music that he mentioned, I cut that in um, I think three or four different times where I, I, I actually, oh, I was making commentary. That's what it was. So I would say, oh, and, and then here's when Dave talked about this. And I, I normally don't do that, obviously, because I'd never yeah. get an epi- episode out, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I was just motivated to do that there and it was fun to do. And then I quickly realized, um, if I want to have more than 10 episodes in, on my show, then I, I better get moving. And, um, it's not something that I could a model that I could adopt going forward unless I yes. was making a lot of money.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. it's just not sustainable, is it unless you're suddenly it's your full- time job. Yeah.
1: But it's fun to do. It's definitely fun yeah. to do.
0: Oh, yeah. It was great fun trying it in that uh, in that instance. Um, and I'm really glad I did it. And I'm even more glad I got paid to do it. <laughs> so Yeah, that's, I did, even, I did, that's <laughs> even better. I think that's the only way I could have done it, actually, because I just couldn't. The time that was involved. See, that eight hours I mentioned as well, that was just editing. So that didn't include yeah. the chasing up the interview and planning for the interview and then recording it and stuff like that. So, I mean, it was probably close to two days in total Um so I mean, I just couldn't afford to take that time out for just a wee experiment that ends up in a twenty-minute episode. But then, but then again, you talk about I mean the the engagement that something like StartUp and Serial and that have have generated. Maybe maybe uh, if it's if it's likely to generate that much engagement, that much hype, then maybe maybe it is worth investing that much time into your production and your interviewing and stuff like that yeah that's true you just have to find a wealthy
1: a wealthy sponsor <laughs> indeed yeah <laughs> and universities are actually not a bad place to
0: start uh, definitely yes <laughs> i would agree go and chase some university money people. <laughs> yeah
1: some universities or uh, uh, a, a biotechnology company or something yeah exactly <laughs> people with uh money to burn yes <laughs> i think what's interesting is as bigger and bigger players get into it and i, I think what happens is bigger companies that want to start podcasts see, mar- uh, see that as a marketing expense and they don't really see a, a podcast as a revenue source.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And it, changes, and it changes the mindset because you're not trying to monetize or stick affiliate codes on your website or promote uh, a Squarespace.com. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> you're really just focused on the content. And, and a lot of times, they really the only thing they have to sell is the institution themselves.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's something that's coming up with me a lot recently, actually, is the tying it into your content marketing strategy. So it's the overall, your overall content marketing strategy for the whole company. And yeah, you're absolutely right. As soon as they can get that tied in alongside blogging and maybe videos and even just getting out there and meeting people at networking events and stuff like that, it just becomes a lot more viable or a lot more sustainable.
1: Yeah, I agree. So coming back into how how you help uh, folks get started with podcasting, what do you think are the biggest mistakes people are making when they're they're starting their podcast?
0: I think there's two or three things that people do uh, or biggest mistakes right at the start. The first one is... And, and everyone, there's nothing new to anyone but perfectionism. So there's so many people that come to me um, for help and they've been planning their podcast for the last six months. They've recorded about 10 first episodes and they've just never put them out there. And the thing to me is, the thing that I always tell people is that you should assume for the first 10 episodes that nobody's going to be listening. So (laughs) (laughs) it'll take that long for for you to get any kind of decent audience, unless you already have an audience. I mean, it it differs if you're somebody that that blogs and have an audience on your site. You already have like a mailing list of 5,000 people. This is a bit different, but talking about somebody who is starting to build their business, starting to build their platform, that type of thing, you've got probably five to 10 episodes whereby you should just try things out. So record an episode and stick it out there. I mean, if it's absolutely horrendous, This obviously don't put it out there but try to just put things out there and the only way you're going to actually build that confidence that presentation style, that skill in presenting and planning and all that kind of thing is by doing it Uh, and there's so many people come to me having not done it, not released, and then therefore they don't get any feedback, so they don't discover what works. They don't get anything back from the the few listeners they do get in the early stages, which teach them what they're doing well, what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are, and what they should build on, what content they should keep putting out, that type of stuff. So I think that's certainly the first thing. Um, Beyond that, I think it's equipment. So I think a lot of people dive in and buy themselves uh, a few hundred pounds worth of equipment straight away they buy themselves like a complicated uh, microphone and, and recorder setup, or even buy themselves a mixer thinking that the audio quality makes the biggest difference to their content. And by all means, to an extent, it does. So, I mean, if you've got terrible audio quality, you're not going to have people keep listening. But as long as you're at an acceptable standard, which doesn't take much, uh, then people will listen because the content uh, uh, might be good. So, well, yeah, as long as your content's good, people will keep listening. The problem is that when you dive in with that much equipment, that much uh, complexity, it just makes it really unsustainable. It just makes it really hard work to record. And the big thing for me in the first 10 episodes, another thing I always tell people is that you need to make sure it's as easy as humanly possible, because this is the time when you're just learning it, when you're, you're building your audience, you're not getting much feedback. So there's not really many external factors that are driving you, motivating you to keep going. So If something's difficult, if you've got to set up your mic and your mixer and make sure your settings are all right and it's just complicated, then you're much less likely to do it. So for the first five to 10 episodes, I quite often tell people, just go and get a a halfway decent headset mic and just fire out some episodes as quickly and easily as you can. Uh, And then that's the way to make it sustainable, to build your initial audience. And from there, you can upgrade uh, because by that point, you'll be getting feedback on how to do it well. And you'll be getting people that tell you you're doing well and therefore you're more motivated to keep recording.
1: I think one of the other suggestions that I I heard you on the Marking Academy podcast, and you talked about having a purpose for your 10 episodes. And I I guess that sort of leans towards the approach that you took with uh, having episodic content. Yeah. But uh, I think you you mentioned the importance of having something, uh, a consistent thread throughout those first 10.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you can do that, that's great. Uh, that, I suppose that's sort of the strategy, isn't it? That's another thing I work on with a lot of people. I'm sure you do the same with production clients is figuring out in the early stages, what is it you're looking to get out of this podcast? Because that's, that's what a lot of people miss, isn't it? Like when they're, yeah. when they're first planning a podcast, they're thinking about monetization, stuff like that. They don't think about the fact that we need to figure it out in the first five to 10 episodes, what are we looking to get out of these first 10 episodes? Not, not the whole show. I mean, by all means, plan that if you want, but just plan what you want to get out of the first 10 episodes. Whether it's get down, get up to like 200 downloads per episode by episode 10, or whether it's get five emails from customers to acknowledge the fact that this is actually reaching people and it's mattering to them. And as long as you have an aim like that, then that gives you a purpose. That gives you something to base your, to to evaluate your efforts on and see whether it has given you a bit of a return on the time you're putting in. Um, and yeah, if you can manage to have a theme uh, whereby you're trying to achieve something by the end of that five to 10 episodes, then that's even better because then you can kind of, you can work towards that end and you can you can have like a nice little ending point there where you're going to say, right, we're going to take two week break and we're going to go and evaluate what's going on. Um, we'll be back in two weeks, listeners, and we're going to have this other stuff to, to give you at that point. I think, I think that's a really nice starting point for a podcast and just seems to work quite, a well, quite well for a lot of the people that I work with.
1: And it keeps things manageable from um, a newbie's perspective because they, they feel there's there's mile markers along the way that they, mm-hmm. they can look to to say, okay, if I can make it to this point then I then I can focus on the next 10 and so on because I think if you just saw it as one endless tunnel at some point, <laughs> this is where the pod fading would start to kick in.
0: Yeah, you did right there. It just looks insurmountable at that, doesn't it? You've, you've got to be podcasting forever more <laughs> And that's what I love about doing season-based because people come to expect that you're going to take a month off every couple of months so I tend to do like well actually I'm a bit erratic but sometimes it'll be maybe two months worth of episodes and then a month off and then it'll be one month uh, solid like I did a month where I just did daily episodes for the full month and then took a couple of months off and people get to know that and they they don't unsubscribe while you're away they just wait for you to, to come back because they enjoy the stuff you're putting out yeah, and the other
1: thing that's co- common now is this concept of binge listening. It, it yeah. sort of comes from the binge watching of Netflix. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, a, a friend of mine recently put out a ten-part series called the, uh, "The Podcast Producers," and I had the um, the benefit of actually being interviewed for a couple of the segments. Um, it's the folks who run Podfly, um, Corey Coates and Jessica Rhodes. They partnered up. And they interviewed a a wide range of podcasters and they sort of just talked about podcasting from the podcast host's perspective and it was a 10 part series and it was really really fascinating because I it's one of the first times that I actually remember binge listening yeah to a, to a podcast um, <laughs> I, I mean actually now that I think about it I, I have done that in the past I remember when I was first introduced to Pat Flynn I, yeah. I, I, I went back and I started listening to uh, the first couple and just kept listening through and, and it's a sign of a podcast that's engaging enough for yeah. you yeah, that you'll actually go ahead and do that
0: <laughs> that sounds really interesting. I'd love to get a link for that if you yeah. have a
1: chance. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was really, as as a fellow podcast geek, I'm sure you'll
0: appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. <laughs>
1: um, yeah, and I think they're going to do a second season as well. Excellent. I'll look that up. <laughs> so um, what do you see as 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 you continue to innovate and add seasons to your show? What are going to be the biggest challenges for you as you look to grow?
0: I think... The podcast itself, I think some podcasters reach a point where they think that, you know, they've talked about everything they can within their topic and they start to struggle to get material out. And I think that, I mean, it doesn't have to happen to everyone by any means. I mean, some of the guys that do how to podcasting we've already mentioned Cliff, Cliff Ravenscraft's doing like 300 odd episodes now. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but then he has completely transitioned away from the kind of stuff that he used to do, hasn't he? He's doing a lot more personal stuff now. And so, I think that was one of the biggest challenges. It's how to, well, actually, maybe it's a question around what I was about to say. It's how to stick to your initial aims, how to keep on point and how to keep your podcast focused. But actually, maybe it's partly around whether you need to do that or whether actually it's fine to decide at some point that this isn't working anymore, whether you need to move to something else. I feel like with my podcast, with PodCraft particularly, my aim is to create a set of resources whereby if somebody comes to me and says, I'm looking to set up a podcasting website, how do I do that? I can just go, oh, series four, PodCraft, go and Mm. listen to it. Sorry, series three, PodCraft, go and listen to it. Um, Somebody comes to me, equipment, oh, I just go to series two of PodCraft, go and listen to that. So my aim is to have a series for just about every single question that people ask me that they can just go through. Um, and something that I'm working on just now is turning those series, series, seasons, seasons <laughs> into <laughs> into courses as well. So that means that the seasons will be the kind of base content they'll offer a good amount of information but actually i will in the future be selling courses based around those seasons which offer a lot more resources a lot more in-depth stuff videos around them that type of stuff as well and in fact that's something i'm going to be talking about at um uk uh, sorry at new media europe the conference in the uk that's on in uh, september my i'm doing a presentation on season based producing uh, sorry season based um presentation and podcasting and how that can lead into a big product based funnel so yeah, that, that, that that makes a lot of sense yeah so i think that's the challenge for me it's it's building out those seasons and then once i think i've got a complete set how do i where do i go from there because i don't think i don't plan to be doing podcraft. Uh, regularly forever because I don't I, I, don't think it's a show which I'm just going to do random um, shows just to talk about something that's topical or whatever. I think it's more of an evergreen type approach I want for PodCraft. So maybe I'll have to release a new podcast which is actually just interviews like this, just talking to people um, and sort of talking to them about podcasting or maybe I need to do a different podcast that will start to reach a different audience that might come into the podcast host um, depending on what I'm doing at the time. But yeah, I think I think in terms of the podcast itself, that's the main challenges I see at the moment. What's interesting is that
1: one of the things you touched upon was this concept of repurposing your content. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really great because you, you come from an education background and a lot of that is evergreen. And I think that's fantastic, the fact that you'll be able to refer not only people for generic questions to specific episodes, but mm-hmm. hopefully you have some, some of the content already produced that you're going to use in, in your course.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it forms that base that's there already that you can then build upon. I think
1: something that I've done recently is I took the first twenty five episodes and I repurposed it into an ebook. Uh, and I just released it. Actually, it's called Around the Podcast Campfire. It's on Amazon. It's only two ninety nine, but Brilliant. it was just sort of an interesting um, exercise for me. So I, I took it and uh, I was working with uh, a, a co writer to help me organize the content. But what we basically did is take themes for each chapter and then we would pull out uh snippets of the conversation that talked about that topic so there's a chapter on social media and the importance of of good equipment um how to amplify your voice and it was just so funny how all the pieces came together and i was able to use snippets from all 25 interviews in there and that was a lot of fun that was a lot of fun to do
0: that's a really nice idea how's that going Slow, (laughs) sure.
1: (laughs) As with all things, and I think I probably didn't pay close attention to the ebook marketing one hundred (laughs) and one that's out there. And you're supposed to release it for free for a long period of time and just get people excited about it. And the thing is, I was sitting on it for such a long time because I was waiting (laughs) and to release it in the right way. And it's it's sort of like what you talked about with the perfection. Uh, syndrome of trying to to get it out and and do it perfect the right way and I fell prey to that trap and I I had literally had the ebook sitting on my computer for about a good two to three months before I said wait a minute I'd rather have it out there than not have it out released in the quote-unquote perfect uh, release strategy yeah absolutely
0: yes (laughs) yeah I think that's the thing people just hold off and hold off for perfect conditions but it never happens
1: no never does
0: Mm-hmm. But that's that's a really interesting idea. Have you thought about releasing it as an audiobook
1: Yeah, I can do that as well. So uh, I'll have to find someone with a maybe Scarlett Johansson can read it for me.
0: <laughs> That'd be nice. If you get to meet her as well,
1: <laughs> that shouldn't be too hard, right? We're 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 famous podcasters, right? Oh, exactly. Yeah, we're in the media. <laughs> uh, no worries. <laughs> Uh, i'll let you know, I'll let you know how that plays out <laughs> yeah <laughs> so as we uh as, as we wrap up uh, what has got you most excited about podcasting uh in the coming months or coming year
0: in the coming months the thing that's got me most excited right now is just the course actually so the course that I'm developing um that I want to get out there uh is i can it's a beginner's well what is it now you know I'm still kind of developing the concept around it but it's going to be a guide to getting started but beyond that a little bit as well so from start to a little bit after launch so launching and maybe promoting for the first couple of months and it's it's do, It deals with a lot of the stuff that I've talked about in terms of getting past that perfectionism, planning for your first 10 episodes, strategy, uh, launch strategy, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and we'll have loads of resources in there too. So I'm really excited to get that out there because people keep asking me about it because I've I've talked about it on my mailing list. I've talked about it with lots of my contacts. So uh, I really just want to get the damn thing out there now <laughs> <laughs> um, and on the market. Um, but I suppose other than that, more generally, I think... I, We've, we actually, you mentioned the whole uh, tools coming out now, the money coming into podcasting. I'm really interested to see what happens with all of this because I think that there's a lot of stuff in podcasting that's broken in terms of listening. So... um People, I'm trying. Like one of my missions at the moment is to try and get more people listening to podcasts. So never mind making money out of it or whatever. I just want more people to enjoy podcasts and yeah. and get into the medium and all that kind of stuff. So everyone that I meet, that at some point in the conversation, I'll bore them with the question. So do you know what a podcast is? Do you listen to podcasts? Uh, and I'm trying to figure out ways to get people into listening more easily. So. I've got, in fact, I've created an area on the podcast host called uh, The Listener's Guide. Uh, and you can find it at thepodcasthost.com if you like. Um, I can't remember what the address is. That's a bit useless at the moment. But yeah, we could, I could maybe send you a link yeah, if you're interested that. in having a look. But it's The Listener's Guide to Podcasting. And if you're, I mean, obviously, if anybody's listened to this, they're already a listener. But... If there's anyone that you know that you want to get into podcasting, send them along there, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on how well it works and what, what's missing, what problems people have when starting to listen to a podcast, because I'm putting up guides there around how to use, uh, how, to, how to subscribe in an Android, for example, apps that you can use in Android, like video guides to getting subscribed, getting started, um, Apple guides, that type of stuff. And I'm also trialing these things I'm calling Pod Packs which is essentially an RSS feed which contains a curated set of episodes around a particular topic. So I've got, in one of them, I've got 30 episodes which are what I think is a really good beginner's guide to getting started in online business. So I've got loads of episodes in there um, from various different, ep- different podcasters like Pat Flynn you mentioned, James Schramko, I've got an episode of his in there. So there are things like getting started in email marketing uh, using video for marketing, content marketing strategies, that kind of thing. And what the intention is that I can meet people at a networking event and I can say, do you, do you podcast? Do you listen to podcasting? And they go, no, I say, well, let me show you this app. Uh, I'll, I'll get that on their phone and then I'll subscribe them to that pod pack. And that will be a total introduction to 30 different podcasters, 30 different shows. And I'll help that listener to get into listening to podcasts. And I'll also help everyone that's on that show on that pod pack. So all these podcasts will hopefully get more subscribers from this person who maybe enjoys some of the episodes. So I think that's what's getting me excited just now is' trying to get more people listening, and the fact that it is becoming a bit more mainstream, so actually people are willing to to take the time to to do it when I try and persuade them to <laughs> It's funny that, that you take that approach and it seems it's seems so obvious, but a
1: lot of people sort of ignore the listener right they and I, and maybe it's a testament to your 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 background as an as an educator. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, it just seems the much larger audience, doesn't it? Like you're trying to people into into making podcasts, but that doesn't grow the pool of that. That doesn't grow the audience pool at all, does it? It's it's the listeners we need. So one of my one of so, my yeah.
1: one of my strategies has been to uh, I, I do a lot of ride sharing here, so sure. I, I imagine it's common there as well at Lyft and Uber.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so
1: every time. Uh, I, I tend to go more with Lyft, but it's inevitably I always ask the driver, so have you listened to, what do you do in your spare time when you're waiting to pick up passengers? Do you listen to a podcast? <laughs> and <laughs> I, I, <could> just <laughs> carry, I just carry uh, business cards, and I have a, a, a business card just for the podcast. And I said, well, you should check this one out. And it's about half-half. Some don't listen, and, but the ones that do listen are able to rattle off their favorites right away.
0: Yeah, excellent. That's the thing, isn't it? Podcasting is so addictive. As soon as you get somebody listening to one show, they, they just fall into like another 15, 20 shows. So it's a bit of a cascade.
1: Yeah, and I love it when people tell me that I don't listen to podcasts because uh, I don't find any that, are, that I've found interesting enough for me. And I said, well, yeah. you must have a hobby or something that you, you're a fan of. And then they say, well, I, I like photography. And then I grab their phone and I, I find them like, very, very easily. Yeah. <laughs> A dozen podcasts on photography and you're like, Oh wow, yeah, okay, I'll I'll check these out. Yeah, definitely.
0: Well, do you know that's, that's, uh, yeah, that's kind of the idea behind the pod packs. So I'll hopefully do one for loads of different topics. Yeah. Maybe a photography one. So, for example, I could find 10 different shows on photography, find their most popular episodes, uh, which will take people through, you know, shutter speed and aperture and all that kind of caper. And so people can just subscribe to this one feed. They can find all these different shows and they can choose which ones they like the best and then subscribe to those actual shows. So yeah, I hope, I'm not, I have, I've had a bit of good feedback from it so far, but yeah, hopefully it's built out a bit. Very interesting. I like the concept of
1: Podpacks. I'm sure that yeah. you, you, might wanna, you might have to trademark that.
0: Yeah, oh, absolutely.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, Colin, thank you so much. As, as you can imagine, when two podcast geeks get on the, get on the horn, uh, we could probably talk for another couple hours on the topic.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> but uh,
1: I really appreciate uh, you making the time to come on the show
0: no it's been a pleasure to chat Uh, like you say it's always good to talk about podcasting and i'm sure we can have a another round in a few months and then talk about developments because i think i think there is like when you're talking about exciting times i think this is pretty one of the most exciting times in podcasts for a long time it just seems to so much happening just now so
1: exactly so what's the best i know you mentioned a website but just as a recap what's the best way social media website for people to track you down
0: Sure. uh, Thepodcasthost.com is the easiest place. That's thepodcasthost.com. And I can also be found at podcraft.net for the podcast and uh, the podcast host on Twitter as well. So I'm pretty much the podcast host just anywhere. (laughs) But yeah, we'd love to hear from anybody, uh, feedback on anything we've uh, chatted about. So yeah, that'd be cool.
1: So I, I usually like to throw a hashtag reference in at the end of the episodes just to see if people are paying attention. So I think what we could do is a hashtag pod pack. Great. Okay. Excellent. <laughs> is that P-O-D-P-A-C-K? Exactly. Yes. Okay. That's it. Well, it is now, if it wasn't before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hashtag pod pack if you made it this far. Uh, and uh, to let Colin and I know that uh, you have nothing else better to do in your day than to listen to <laughs> two folks talk about podcasting.
0: Exactly. <laughs> cool. Well, yeah, great to speak to you, Harry.
1: Okay, take care. Have a great day.
0: You too. If you want more of everything podcasting, from equipment guides to podcasting courses, head over to thepodcasthost.com and don't forget to give us some feedback. Leave a comment at podcraft.net or send Colin a tweet at the Podcast Host. Thanks for listening.